the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It is great to be with you today. Today, August 2nd, today is my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. I hope that you are doing well today. I'll talk to you later if you are listening right now. And uh, so I want to say happy birthday, August 2nd. And my dad's birthday is August 2nd. My sister's is August 4th. Mine's August 6th. It's a Saturday. You won't be able to call me. Uh, I think for my birthday, I'm going to ask for a nap. No, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll we'll figure out something. And uh, anyway, I wanted to say that, you know, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things to talk about. But, uh, you know, I want to share with you something, something personal. You can join the conversation at any time. The number is 888-528-2557, You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Today's my dad's birthday, and I want to share something with you. You know, um, I want to say this because, and talk about my dad for a minute. I have a great dad. And if I go too far down the road of why he's a great dad, it's going to be hard to stay composed. And it is a a tremendous blessing that I have, um, my dad. And I know that because I know that there's a lot of other people who struggle with with that. Like Father's Day is not your favorite day to go to church, right? Because they're going to talk about dads and and this and that. My dad uh, is the most faithful man I know. Faithful to God, faithful to my mother, his kids, his grandkids, and to his friends, his extended family. He is forgiving, gracious, intelligent, and straightforward. He's a man of God. I love you, Dad. I want to say this, though. Because I want to tell you a couple other things about him. Because, yes, I want to honor my parents and I want to honor my dad, something that we should do. But I want you to hear something. If if you're thinking, well, my dad's not so great, or I never knew my dad, or my dad walked out on us, or my dad's an alcoholic, or my dad has a lot of stuff, or maybe you're a dad and you're struggling with this. I can't say much good about my dad, some people might say. I want you to know that my dad's dad was not so great. And I never really met my grandfather. He committed suicide when I was a baby. And I'm telling you that because I want you to know something, that if your dad was not so great, um, in one generation, meaning you, you can be a great dad. My dad's an example of that. And I want you to know that because we're living at a time where I think if you grew up and you had some kind of, you know, whatever the disadvantage is that you might have had, we are living in a time when we want to point out every single thing that uh, is is not fair. It's not fair, but every single thing that is not fair, not right, every hurdle that we all need to go over, and one of those biggest ones is 
if you didn't have a father or you didn't know your father or your father wasn't very good or you didn't have a very good relationship with your dad. Fatherlessness is it's at the core of all of our social ills. I mean, there are it's it's so bad that people don't even want to talk about it and want to pretend that that's not part of it. But the reason I'm saying this is because if you feel like you can't be a good father or a good man, and you can you can say this the same thing, by the way, if you're a mom, and, uh, you know, you can certainly transpose this, you know, to uh, the other gender, that if you're not a good mom or you didn't have a good mom, we live in a time where we just sort of want to sit in whatever it is our problems are and blame somebody else and not realize that we actually can overcome all of it. Did you know that? Did you know that if you didn't have a very good relationship with your parents, you can overcome it? And if you're a parent and your relationship's not that good right now, you can turn the page now. You don't have to sit and wait that there are some things to do. There are, there is hope. See, I feel like we live, we're living in a world now where people are being separated into different categories and it's kind of like a caste system. It's kind of like, you know, depending on uh, how many barriers you have to go through because of your your background, your ethnicity, because of uh, your financial, you know, situation, because of your education. You know, there's so many different areas or things that have happened to you because you've been a victim of crime or you've been a victim of, of theft. You've been a victim of uh, whatever it is. I feel like there's so much being told to people. And I hear this all the time from people that I just can't do this because, oh, I have this going on and I've had this. You know what? You do have things to overcome. That's true. But you can overcome them. You can. And you can become somebody who is the type of person who everybody comes and wants to be like, even though your background wasn't so good. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people who have grown up in families or situations Sometimes their family's okay and the situations are just terrible. Lots of times, more often than not, there's just family stuff. You don't have to put up with that. And you do not have to listen to those who tell you that you cannot succeed because of your circumstance. Those people are lying to you. They're telling the truth with respect to the idea that you might have more to overcome and it might be harder for you. That's true. But the idea that you can't overcome it, the idea that you are just sort of doomed to a certain life because you didn't have the best dad or the best mom or the best situation or because you were discriminated against or because you have had an illness or whatever it is that life has brought you. Do not give up. Do not do that. You know, my my dad, I can't say enough good. doesn't mean he's a perfect guy. Uh and I could go down that road, but I'm not. And the thing is, I think about my dad, though, a lot and what he had to overcome. The fact that his dad and mom were alcoholics. And it was so bad that he had to grow up with his grandparents, who also struggled. It's an interesting side of the family, my dad's side of the family. You ever do the, uh, you know, the, uh, the I'm not trying to promote a different group here, the Ancestry.com, that kind of thing. And you learn things about your family. And um, one person who was on my dad's side of the family, there was always this rumor 
that he had another family. You ever hear about these guys on the news where they get caught and somehow they have this other life. They have another job, another career, and another wife and another bunch of kids, and they didn't know about it. Um, and we went through the ancestry stuff, and this was a rumor about my uh, my dad's grandfather. Um, and the rumor was is that maybe he had this going on because he would leave for work in the morning and come back two years later. And he would claim that he was down in Texas in the oil fields or something, but there was never really an income for that. And uh, we found through the census that he was counted twice in the census because he did have two different families. And it's interesting because my dad's response to that, and this we're talking about something that's forever old. Like this happened, this was going on back in the 20s and 30s, okay, 100 years ago. And when I discovered that, my dad pounded the table and he was so hurt by it. And he's, his grandfather's been gone for 60 years. We carry these things with us for a long time, don't we? Uh, and the funny thing my dad said, my dad's always funny. He's even funny when he's mad. You know, like sometimes he'd be yelling, us, yelling at us as kids. And uh, then he'd say something really funny in the middle of it. And then we'd kind of start to laugh, which would make him more mad. And uh, <laughs> we're not trying to mock you, Dad, but that analogy you just gave was was pretty funny. Um, one time I got these bunk beds and they were delivered. It's supposed to be my Christmas present. And I was really excited about it. Well, they didn't deliver them with any sort of slats or box springs. There was no way to put a mattress on them. It was just this frame that they put together. And, uh, my dad is so upset at the, uh, the poor delivery driver who had really nothing to do with it. (laughs) And, uh, he said, I can't even use that thing to corral my dogs which was the funniest thing coming out of his mouth there. We all ran out of the room laughing. Um, You know, I think today that my dad and maybe some of you are being told, my dad would have been told that, oh, the funny thing he said about uh, grandfathers, that we look back and in our our family history also in, in that line, there was a time in this country where we think that maybe somebody in our family uh, owned most of the state of Virginia. And, uh, you know, and I kind of laugh about that and you go, what happened to that? And uh, my dad goes, oh, grandpa probably gambled it away, which was the funniest thing to say. And, you know, the reason those things happen is because you have a bunch of kids and then you own the whole state of Virginia and then you divide it up and divide it up and divide it up. And after a couple of generations, there's nothing left. That's how that goes. And uh, there's none of that in my family. We have zero of that. There is no wealth that you can find anywhere in the last, you know, 200 years, Uh, just so that you know. And so we have not had that. We have not had that blessing of wealth. We have not had the, you know, of of certain things. And certainly there are lots of people who are less often and uh, have had disadvantages in other ways. We know that. Um, My dad in his situation, he would be told by so many people today that he should be angry, that he should be forever just a victim, and that he should embrace his victimhood status that he is oppressed by the system and ultimately not responsible for whatever difficulties life handed him. And, you know, if if there are people in this society who are telling you that, let me tell you something. My father in one generation proved that all of that is wrong. He proved that no person, no man, is bound by his life circumstances so much that they cannot become a good man. My dad spent a lot of his childhood living with his grandparents because his parents had so many troubles. They were abusive. And 
there's a whole lot to that story. I, I've probably said more than uh, I didn't really ask permission, Dad. You know, but uh, I love you, and you know, we we share what's going on. And yet, I can say these things about my dad, and my sister would too. And my dad's been a pastor, and people in his congregation would too. People who have been, uh, you know, frustrated with him come back later. Uh, it's the most amazing thing. Um, my dad, his patience with people, his grace that he has for people, his ability to not give up on people, people who everybody else gives up on. He didn't give up on his uncle who was an alcoholic and he was the, like the, the, the guy who he lived to be a hundred years old. Uh, and he was completely embalmed from the time he was about 50 and lived 50 years. My dad never gave up on him. And he never gave up on anybody. And he can do that because he has a father in heaven. And I don't say that to be like, oh, here's the the churchy answer. But it's true. And if you need to, if you want to be that, if you want to break through, you got to trust God that you have a father in heaven who's your real father, who's told you how to live your life. And, you know, the, the freedom that we have to, you know, the freedom from sin Yes, we're free from the effects of sin and we get everlasting life. We're not going to be, we're not going to go to hell because we have faith in Jesus, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. They rose again from the life, uh, from, from the dead. And, uh, you know, but the thing is about sin in your life is that you don't have to do it. The freedom that we have in Christ is you have the freedom not to sin, not just the freedom to be forgiven for your sins, but the freedom to not be controlled by it. The freedom to say, you know what, everybody in my family's been an alcoholic or a drug addict or abusive or whatever the situation is, but I'm not going to be, I don't have to do that. When you have Christ, you have the freedom to say, you know what, I'm not doing that. I am not going to have, uh, be into porn like my parents were. I'm not going to be into uh, bad things like my, I don't have to. And there's, there's a, when you get to see it that way, you get to understand you are a new creation. You are new. You are somebody different. And you can trust people. Um, you can trust people to be who people are. But when you have a biblical worldview, your whole life changes. And that's what my dad has. And that's why he became the man he is. It amazes me when I hear his story that he overcame so many things that could have gone sideways and wrong. And I just want you to know that whenever you hear the story about dad and dad's, you know, not, you know, and somebody celebrating their dad, and if that doesn't fit you, know that their dad who might be really great might have had people in his dad who wasn't that great, that we all deal with it. And the answer is always to go back to Christ. The answer is to realize that the Bible is true, that what it tells us about life and spirituality and who we are, who our real character is is not because of our, our ancestry or our finances or our personal histories or the place that we live. We are gods. We are not gods, like you're not a god. I mean, gods apostrophe S, not G-O-D-S, G-O-D apostrophe S. We are his. You are his, and you can be the person that you want to be for your kids, for your spouse, for your friends, for whomever you are, when you trust the Lord and you live for Him. And you really do. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. 
How you doing, Scott? Uh, Ted, once again, City of the Angels. I just thank you for talking about your father. That was the subject. Uh, during the height of the Watts riots, my father used to take me and my brother down into Compton and Watts to go to junkyards. And I asked him, how come you never have any problems? He said, son, why are we here? He said, we're here to get parts. He said, you stay at the job at hand. You don't engage with people. And this man scored the highest on the proficiency test during the Korean War. He went on to help invent the chain gun that's on our attack helicopters and tanks. He was with my mother 63 years. He met her at Santa Monica College. She was a virgin. Uh, just a blessing of a man. He died at 87 three years ago. He taught me so much. And one time we were in Compton, and a mud ball threw, went through the window of the 66 Lincoln Continental, almost hit my brother by the dome light in the back seat. My dad said, you stay, kid, I'll be back. He came back with a 10-year-old kid. He said, Ted, get in the back seat with your brother. He took that 10-year-old kid home to his mother in Compton, and I watched it. And I never and, – and that back then, you take your, your kid home to your mother, you're going to be disciplined. And that's the best thing he could have ever done for that, that little 10-year-old kid. And uh, he's just – I cannot say enough about the biblical – way my dad walked he didn't talk a lot about the bible he walked it you know i was baptized first youth in church of venice in 1963 as an infant uh, he raised four kids i mean i mean it's he, he was a pillar in our community he worked for Hughes helicopters for 42 years you know i mean they had to pick his brain and put it on floppy disks when they moved to mesa arizona because everything was in the man's head he was from world famous hibbing high school in northern minnesota and uh, he embarrassed everybody in California. He had the equivalent of six years of college and never been to college when they tested him at Santa Monica College. So he said he wasn't impressed with Californians at all, the education. So that's the kind of upbringing I had. It's a total blessing. I've taken it into my life. I, I had a tra uh, traveling mechanic from Compton come put a motor in my Astro van. I have a small painting business. Uh, didn't think anything of it. And he watched it in his driveway. Um, just blessings over blessings the way that raised. He raised me to just stay at the job at hand. So this pertains to uh, Nancy Pelosi. This lady should stay at the job at hand and not worry about all that other curricular stuff. She'd be fine. We just carry Christ with us. You know, I love her. I love the president. He needs to grow up like all of us do. And, uh, and I love you, Scott. So all right, thank, thank you for listening. Thank you, Ted, for calling and listening to our show. Uh, Ted was referring to last hour. We talked about the president and Nancy Pelosi and the overseas stuff that they were dealing with. Um, you know, dads have a big impact. You know, and once again, if you know if you're listening and you're going, "Well, I didn't have that dad. There was no dad to um, help the other kids in the neighborhood." Um, you know, you can be that person. I guess that's one of the things that if if we tell stories about our dads and the the feeling is, "Well, I didn't have that," you can be that person. You don't have to wait generations or that mom. If you're listening, you can be that mom. And, you know, and we can learn from other moms and dads by the actions that they that they do. Those are the things that we remember. Right. I mean, it is uh, we remember the the things that people actually do. It says so much. I remember some things that my dad taught me, of course, um, but I, I the you know, it, it still has to be backed by the actions. Right. My dad taught me to, you know, as a minister, to trust the Bible, to make sure that whatever you're talking about, you know, make sure it's grounded in the Word of God. That way, if somebody disagrees with you, and they will, 
you can point them back to the Bible and you don't have to point them into your own head because you were probably wrong, <laughs> which was great advice. I've had people take me to task over uh, things in the Scripture, and sometimes there's great things to argue about. Sometimes maybe I am wrong. That's fine. But at least what we're going to is the Scripture of God, not some uh, crazy notion I might have had uh, and put together. He also said to trust people who are, you know, other believers that the Holy Spirit's in them, that they may not always agree with you, but God has got a bigger plan. And that if people really are followers of Jesus, that they're capable of doing amazing things in the faith. And even if they get a little sideways sometimes, you know, trust that they that the Lord will bring them back. And to also, he taught me this too, that people are much smarter than we give them credit for. And I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, that that I've been able to learn is that everybody in in this audience, everybody in uh, your church, everyone at your workplace is a lot smarter than you think. They may not have an understanding of everything. I mean, they they may not know anything about the Bible if you're in church or how to do things if you're uh, in your workplace. They might have the knowledge. You can give them that. You know, that's part of what uh, you do. But they're a lot smarter. Give people credit for being smart. I think people are smart. You know, I think that uh, people sometimes don't have understanding or knowledge. I think some people are fools, that's for sure. But I think that if you give people, you know, enough credit till you find out that they're not so smart, um, you're going to go a lot farther in trusting people. 888-528-2557 is the number for Southern California Live. If you want to call in and join our conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and I'll be back in just a moment with your calls as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live great day outside a little bit uh you know sticky out there a little threatening of some rain and stuff but i don't think we're getting any just you know threat a looming threat you know over overhead but uh maybe it's maybe we've had some i've been in here for a a long time anyway i hope that you're having a good tuesday afternoon it's 888-528-2557 is the number 888-528-2557 let's go to steve in orange county steve welcome to southern california live Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I just was, uh, when I was listening, you know, you're saying, what is your Taiwan? <laughs> you know, in my family history, you know, there's been divorce. Every single, almost every single person in my family mm. got married and got divorced. It's always miserable. It's always the kids are all hurt, you know, emotional problems, everything. And I'm including my family was like that. And it's just like, I got to the point where I just said, you know what? I'm not sure this thing is worth it. You know, I'd yeah. rather just stay single. And I, I, I just don't want to put anyone through this pain, you know, and I don't want to go through this again, you know, for myself. And, uh, but then when I turn, you know, I'm almost 60 years old now. And, and then all of a sudden you just, I just fell in love and I, I'm planning to get married. You know, uh, this, you. this is my first time. I've never been married before, and you know, and it's like I think. Well, I don't have an example of 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 uh, what it's like to be a good husband. But then I, you know what? Jesus is the perfect husband. That's right. He's the perfect husband who gave his life for his wife, who laid down his life, gave everything for her, and obeying God primarily, and then loving her with his own life. And you know what? 
I want to break the cycle in my family, and I want to. I just pray that I will be a Christ-like husband to my wife, and uh, so that's my Taiwan. So, <laughs> uh, Steve, that's that's a great uh, a great testimony there. And uh, Steve, how old did you say you are? I'm almost sixty. Okay, all right. You plan on having kids, or are kids coming along with the deal? Um, kid, there's there's uh, there's one kid in the deal. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? You can even be a, a good uh, bonus dad. Bonus dad is a Steve Arterburn uh, word. Uh, how, old's uh, it, how old is the uh, the child who's probably an adult? The child, uh, he's 25. 25. Okay. Well, you're going to be in his life, and you've got a great example there. Steve, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. It's right on uh, point here that you might have a background that has been really tough and it might have scared you. He mentioned Taiwan in the last hour. I asked people, where's your Taiwan, where you want to go to, where you should go to, but maybe some people are against it, but you know you should go there. That's a great example of that where, you know, I it's and it's something that people are dealing with. I started to know this, notice this 20 years ago, couples coming in, young people who are going to get married, but they're just flat out not having kids. And in some cases, you know, I believed that they believed that they would never want to have kids. There were a couple of cases where they said, we're not going to have kids. We've talked about it. One time I remember a a um, couple coming in and we started to have the counseling conversation and I asked about kids and they both said, well, we've agreed that we're not going to have kids. Uh, that's not what we want to do. Now, what happened right then at that moment was the guy's eyes never left my eyes, but she started looking off to the left down to the floor, and I knew that that's not what she felt. So we had to get into that uh, for a while, and you know, for him, the, the deal was I come from a long line of disastrous families, and I don't want to bring kids into that. I don't want to do it. And more and more people are beginning to feel that way. You know, her side wasn't that great either. So I think that's kind of why she kind of agreed. But I think mostly it was, oh, I don't want to lose this guy. Now, through the course of conversation, they finally agreed that that they could go ahead and have kids. And and uh, they do have one, I believe, uh, today. Um, but there was so much fear in, gosh, you know, this has been the history. This is where things go. I don't want that pain. And so I'm not going to do it. Um and that is where a lot of people are today. Uh, Pew Research says that uh, more and more young people today are not likely to have children. And there's different reasons, but a lot of it has to do um, with, you know, sometimes it has to do with, I just like the freedom. And I get that. Your life your life changes when you have kids, immediately changes. And uh, I'm telling you, though, that uh, it changes for the better, but it's going to change. But other people, they just don't want to have children because there's so much heartache and sadness and they don't want to, they've experienced that. They don't want to bring it on. What I'm saying is that you don't have to, that you cannot live in the the guilt of the past, the pressures, the social teaching that so often tells us that we are just a product of whatever our background is and there's nothing we can do to escape it. Or that we should just get angry and blame other people and uh, tear everybody else down so that we can all be miserable together. And uh, we don't need to do that. And in your life, if if your parents weren't so great, if your dad wasn't so great, you know, your mom wasn't so great, you don't have to repeat those things. But the way out isn't just to blindly say, well, I'm just not going to do it. We all, in some ways, become our parents, right? It's... uh, 
you know, there are things that today they make me laugh when I see my, my, my dad or my mom and me and something I do or something I say. And I'll see this in my wife with uh, her parents now have passed away. But, you know, part of them is with her and she'll do something that clearly her mom would have done. My wife and her mom load the dishwasher in the same way. Christy's going to mention that to me later, but they just do. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. Uh, and uh, there's, it's just there. <laughs> Obviously, there's more serious things than that that people do. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You are capable through the Lord at changing the trajectory of your life wherever it is. That you are capable of changing the trajectory of your family just by being faithful to the Lord. And for some of us, it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, for some of us, it really just takes a commitment, a commitment to get back into uh, the calling that we have to be followers of Jesus. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty verse 7, the lovers of God will walk in integrity and their children are fortunate to have godly parents as their examples. It's one translation of that. You can become that. You know, I, I think something, something too that I've noticed about parents and kids is that even as bad as it has been, in some cases where it's been really terrible, most of the time, deep down, we want our parents to be better. We, even when we've been estranged, when we've had trouble, we want that relationship as kids to be better. We want to see our parents do better. And so you can, and you'd be amazed at how fast we can recover relationships when somebody just decides to start walking for the Lord, which is much deeper than just, you know, dealing with the problem that we have, which is much deeper than just saying, you know what, I, uh, I uh, am going to just stop doing that and I'm going to you know, make all these promises. You do it when you're walking with the Lord. That's the commitment you make. You get in your Bible. Uh, the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. Um, you're not really blameless. You've got blame. Everybody's flawed. I'm not saying that scripture's wrong. It's just that what it what it means is, is that, you know, when I, I told you earlier, it's my dad's birthday today and I heaped a bunch of praise on him and I mean it. It doesn't mean that I think he's perfect. Um, but you know, when I look at him, do I think he has a blameless life? I could, I could say that, you know, people are going to get up one day whenever he goes to be with the Lord, which hopefully isn't for a long time, but they're going to say amazing things. Uh, the righteous live, lead lives where, in fact, as a, as a pastor, I'll tell you what, doing funerals, can I tell you a little secret? Sometimes ministerially funerals are better than weddings. I mean, I don't know that every pastor thinks that, but some of us do. And part of it's you just get a better chance to minister to people in their in their grief. If there's a lot of grief going on at a wedding, you know, you got other problems. You know, at the funeral there's less pressure, you know, on the on the ceremony and all of that, but it becomes about the life. The easiest funerals to conduct are when the person is a a person who was righteous with the Lord, because people get up and they start saying stuff and they do the funeral for you. You get up at the end and you you talk a little bit about uh, resurrection and you talk a little bit about uh, Jesus, uh, but it's done because the friends and the family who make statements, uh, they do it for you. And if you're saying, well, nobody's coming to my funeral, nobody, yes, they will. You treat them the way the Lord wants you to. You start loving people. You You free yourself up. Be free from the sin that you have, meaning that you don't have to do it. Free from the gossip maybe that you do all the time that separates friendships. 
free from the bitterness that is empowered by our culture today that's telling you that you have so many things that are against you that you'll never be successful, which is garbage. You can be successful. Or to say, you know what, I'm never going to have this because my my examples weren't that good. Go find better examples. You can do that. You know, I hope that that's encouraging to you. I think it's hard. A lot of us, we, you know, we, we really struggle. Um, you know, the study of people not having kids today, that is, uh, it's the end of a, it's the end of a nation. It's a whole nother conversation, but people not having kids, that's, that's kind of the end of it is that it is a loss of hope about the future. With Christ, we have great hope about the future, that our best days are always ahead of us, always, and that we can be that new creation. That's a promise. It's, it's not just something that, you know, floats around that we put on a mug. In Christ, you are a new creation. That means you are not bound to the difficulties that maybe you've experienced, whether you brought them upon yourself or somebody else brought them upon you, you're not bound by that. You get to be new, a representative of Christ. And you'll find that if you've got a lot of baggage behind you, people will excuse that pretty fast when they see that you are loving, a loving person, that you are full of grace and mercy. And you can do that when you get into the Word of God and you say, God, change me. God, I need supernatural help. That's a great prayer, by the way. Ask God for supernatural help. Don't ask God to help you do it by yourself. That's not what God's into. He's into, I'm going to do it with you. That's why I'm sending you my spirit to produce in you fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. See, those are the things that change our life, that change the trajectory of our life. And those are things, we call them the fruit of the spirit because they're supernatural, God didn't say, go get a, uh, go to the self-help section on Amazon and figure out which of the thousands and thousands and thousands of self-help books you can find and help yourself become a better person. He said, no, I'm going to make you be a better person. Trust me. Trust the Lord. Get into his word and say, God, I need super ha- supernatural help because naturally I'm not going to be a better person, but supernaturally I trust you that you can do that. Would you pray that prayer if you're really struggling today? Just do that. I'm going to take a break. We'll be back. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you. Scott Furrow with you from 3 to 5 every single weekday afternoon. Your drive home, your last moments at work. What do you do, your last moments at work? Are you still at work at 5 o'clock and you get off early? It is, and is that really early? I don't know. I've had jobs where it's all the same. You know, I get off at uh, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Uh, you just have to go in earlier. That's typically how that goes, but but not always. The number is 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. And I've got a few other things in the uh, in the stack I've been sitting on here for a while that uh, as we close out uh, our day today, the Earth has recorded the shortest day ever after scientists reveal that the planet is spinning faster. Did you notice it, that the Earth is spinning faster? I mean, does that mean that you get home a little bit faster on your commute? If the Earth is spinning faster, doesn't that mean that I get home? Maybe, maybe it takes longer because it's spinning the other way. Which way do I drive home? 
which way would that make a difference spinning faster? And would you notice it? According to um, scientists, a faster spin meant the Earth's usual 24-hour rotation was 1.59 milliseconds shorter. So I don't know if you noticed that or not, 1.59 milliseconds. That's a pretty short measurement of of time there, 1.59 milliseconds. In fact, the only measurement of time shorter than that, the only thing faster than that, is the amount of time it takes for the light to turn green and the guy behind me to honk his horn. That's a little bit faster. So, uh, you know, still, that guy's faster than the uh, speed of of the Earth. You know that's true for some of you. Some of you are just so... (laughs) Unbelievable. Maybe I'm staring at my phone or something and it's been green for 10 minutes, you know, but, uh, you know, not usually. I'm amazed at how fast people lay on that horn just when that light turns green. And especially if you're in a lot of traffic, it's like, well, where do you think you're going? We're just going to stop at that next red light up there. You're going to be right behind me just the same. Anyway, 888-528-2557. I don't know what it means. This article says that the uh, that it confuses scientists that uh, the Earth spin got uh, a little bit uh, faster because usually it's getting a little bit shorter. And uh, there's a lot of theories about the wobble of the earth and uh, a lot of those kinds of things maybe maybe that are that are marking that. I just find it interesting that somewhere is a guy with a stopwatch who has to click that off. Like uh, this is more important than the guy at the Olympic swimmers with the stopwatch. You got to get that right. And how do you know? How do you know that it's one point uh, somebody's measuring that? Uh, and that's somebody's job. Like, do you have that job? Do you get to go home at five? Does does somebody else clock in and you have to carefully hand them the stopwatch? I'm sure it doesn't work that way. Somebody will call me and say, you know, actually, here's how it works out. Uh, I know that. One time I got in trouble. Sometimes people ask me, you know, what kind of feedback do you get on different things, especially when I was a pastor in the sermons. You know what I got yelled at the most by some guy? Some guy, and I like this guy, maybe you're listening, and you remember this, but I, whenever we put that first Mars rover out on Mars, and we got those first pictures back, the sort of the red and the rocky terrain, I did a sermon, and I forget what the point was of the sermon, but I don't forget the joke of the sermon. The joke was, why do we need to go to Mars when we can just go to El Centro? I thought that was funny. I thought I, I, thought I might hear from the El Centro people, right, uh, about that, although I thought they would think it was funny too. Instead, I heard from a guy from NASA who pulled me aside and laid into me about how important it is that we're going to Mars and all the technology that we're developing because we're going to Mars and how that's going to help feed people and help water supply and help uh, all the stuff and all the different – he went through a whole list of all the things that we got because of the the moon missions like toothpaste and other things. And all of that's true, and I I really wasn't making fun of NASA or Mars. I was uh, making a little joke about heading out there to uh, El Centro, California. Uh, and he did. Uh, he finally calmed down. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we all have a passion about something, don't we? We all have a passion about something that uh, God has placed on our heart. And when we have the opportunity like this guy to actually get to go be in a profession, he loved it. And he and I are friends. You know, it was just we got to be friends because of that conversation. I'd never met him until then. Um he loved what he's doing, not just because he liked space and because he was all about that, but because he did understand that the the progress is not just about getting to Mars. It's about progress around the world and all the things that it's amazing that we can do uh, to really help people. 
a man from Houston, Texas, who was given just two months to live after being diagnosed with a brain tumor six years ago is still alive. And he is giving credit, obviously, to God for keeping him alive. In this case, it's not scientific. In fact, his doctor says it's a miracle. You know, whenever the uh, whenever people say, you know, it's a miracle that there's been some kind of healing or something's going on, you know, find out if the, you know, does the doctor agree, especially if that person's not, you know, a believer. What are they saying about it? Um, in 2016, uh, this is from a website called Christian Headlines. In 2016, Israel Lemus was diagnosed with stage four uh, geloblastoma. Is that how you say that? Uh, an aggressive form of brain cancer. And when he was diagnosed, he was told he had a golf ball-sized tumor in his brain and had only two months to live. And the typical prognosis for that is uh, 24 months, 14 to 24 months. And he was only 29 years old as a kid. And he has now been around for six years with this tumor. And, you know, he's gotten married. He bought a home, changed careers. He's still living life. And he has this this way to live life that we all really have that we don't think about, but he has to think about it. And it's that we don't know that we have tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. We don't know. He gives credit to God. He says, to me, it's 100% God. Honestly, I'm thankful to God for every single day. The first thing I do when I wake up and the last thing I do before going to sleep is to thank God for that day. And, you know, that's something I think for all of us to think about. That in his case, I think it's easier because he has this. He has this going on that, you know, gosh, you have to think about it. Every time you get a headache, every time you don't feel well, every time, you know, some little pain goes off in your body, he must worry about it to an extent much worse than uh, the rest of us. Um, his doctor at uh, Houston Memorial calls it miraculous. He says that He's not in remission, that the disease still shows up on the MRI. And he says, the doctor says that his survival is just a mystery. And he says that, you know, the doctor is looking for more of a scientific explanation. And maybe there is one, I don't know. But he says that having a positive positive attitude and strong support system uh, and faith is helping him with his survival. Uh, and, of course, a team of doctors, he says. Um and I think this is a great story, and that's not going to happen for most people. I don't think God is going to do that for most people, but for this guy it is, and I'll tell you why. This is why, and I don't know specifically who, but one of the reasons that God does this kind of thing with people is because somebody is going to be given tremendous faith because of his story that he gets to tell. Somebody's going to come to Christ. Like the reason for being for being healed, the reason for... God graciously giving us more days is not just for our own benefit and enjoyment. He's enjoying his life. He got married, bought a house, changed his job. He's doing stuff like you would. But the reason is, you know, he gets this blessing of thanking God for every single day. Do you do that? Like I said, we don't know. We don't know what's coming. You know, I it's a it's a troubling statistic, I know, but one out of every one person dies. Did you know that? One out of one. Um and, uh, you know, you don't really want to think about that. This guy has to think about that every day. You know, is it a surprise that you wake up every day? Maybe it is. And he gets to thank God every day. It's a reminder for me, you know, that, you know, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, what is, I think about weird stuff, you know, related to that. You know, what is the youngest you can die from old age? 
When is that? Uh, as you get older, you start to think about that kind of stuff. This guy has this blessing. It'll probably get him this brain tumor, unless God just decides that he's going to live a long time or that he's going to take it out of there. Um, or he lives long enough for science to develop something that will take care of it. That happens once in a while. Um, every day he gets to thank God every morning he wakes up. But the truth is, is that all of us should be doing that. Shouldn't we? Every morning when we get up, thank God for another day. You want to have a better day in your life? Get up, thank God you have another day. And then say, God, how do you want to use me today? And who's, whose life do I get to bless today because you've given me this one extra day? And you do your thing, you go to work, you take care of the kids, you do whatever it is that you have to get done, but you have something else on your mind. How do I get the most out of this day that I'm blessed to have? The truth is, is all of us are terminal. Every one of us is terminal. Get up tomorrow. When you go to bed tonight, start tonight. God, thank you for this day. And if I should wake up in the morning, get up in the morning and say, God, how do you want to use me to bless other people today? It'll change your attitude. It'll change your whole day to live like that. It'll change your relationship to God. He's going to, and he's going to answer that prayer. He's going to put somebody on your mind right away that you need to go encourage or somebody who you haven't seen for a while that you're going to call and you're going to be able to encourage them. It is uh, amazing how God works that way. And then you find out that this, this mysterious life that we have, this calling that we have to to be like Jesus, to follow the Lord, to make disciples, you're going to find out that God's all over it. That is the plan for your life, and he wants to use you that way. And when you turn your heart to him and do that, and you thank him for every day you have, God uses you. And everything changes for the better. So that's an idea for you. Thank God for your day today when you get home, when you go to bed, and get up in the morning and say, God, thank you for another day. How do you want me to use it? Pray that sincerely, and I promise you it's going to change your thinking through the day. We are done for this Tuesday here on Southern California Live. If you missed an hour of the show and you want to get the podcast, go to kkla.com and look up Southern California Live. Go to the program guide, find SoCal Live, and the podcast will be up there as it always is. And you can always reach out to me. Just email me at SoCalLive at kkla.com. I'm here, Scott Furrow. That's me, and I'm here, the host of Southern California Live and the show every single day from 3 to 5. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com